everybody, it's Rob from Carnival of Randomness, and we're back from our COVID-enforced exile after we did our, well, they have an intro show later, probably, in the weeks to come, because we do stuff this way. And my, what do you want to call yourself, second banana drummer in residence? Second <laughs> banana. Yeah, well, you know. Well, it's great. Uh, <laughs> now, rarely do I have guests who I've judged horror costume contests with, <laughs> but this time I do. And he's a man who has many things to talk about. It'll be very interesting. And it's Billy McKee. Well, hello, everybody. And Hi. Say, tell us a little about yourself to the fans out in podcast land. Well, I'm, uh, I've been a musician my entire life. Uh, I'm, sing- I'm a singer, I'm a songwriter, and a guitar player, and, uh, and, a, and a weekend gigolo. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Only on weekends? <laughs> on the weekend. Oh, weekend gynecologist. In, in Portland, you know how to pronounce Celtic. That's the big thing. You know how to pronounce Celtic right. I know how to which, pronounce which all I'm kinds of Which I'm very glad. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the things I know, you're in, obviously the dungarees, and a yeah. little bit about them, and how are they doing during the COVID and the everything else? Well, the dungarees were in a hiatus because, you know, you simply can't get gigs. You know, so um, uh, what I did is I spent the time... We have an album, whole entire album's worth of stuff that that we recorded, all songs I wrote, um, probably about 12, 13 songs on the album. So we're gonna we want to press a CD so we can sell them at the shows and stuff. Uh, all the artwork's done. Um, any of the uh, pictures of the band are are ready to go. So it's just a matter of about a month. We're going to uh, go ahead. Everything's been mastered, uh, and just you know press some CDs out and uh, you know start playing out and doing some more gigs around town. Uh, you know one of our big places is Johnny's. You know that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and uh, you know just everywhere all over town. So you know if you, if everybody gets a chance to come out and see the uh, the dungarees, please do. And our slogan is uh, the dungarees. Stick that in your pants. Yeah, that's our that's our little. Plus uh, that mean little leprechaun logo, which I oh, love. Oh yeah, well, as you know, as they give a name. He does. It's Liam the leprechaun, <laughs> and uh, and the, that the way that came about is I wrote a song called Leprechaun Stew, and it's about this happy little leprechaun. He's skipping through the woods, and he's just so happy it pisses me off. So I get a big stick, beat the bejesus out of him, and make a stew. <laughs> It's one of those feel-good songs. You know yeah. what I'm talking about, guys. As long as your dungarees aren't how, acid wash, that's how all How creative. <laughs> that's got to be a name for an album, Acid Wash. Acid Have you wash. guys all tripping out on how, something? How about Leprechaun Stew? I did an album actually called Leprechaun Stew. and uh, That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> Great, but this is it's different how creative people have responded. I was going, I'm going to focus on my writing, do everything. I could barely get up to do my laundry. I have other friends who, like my friend Sean McVeigh from King Buffalo, he's been on here. He's recorded four albums worth of material during all this. And other people have, like, put their, inter- you know, a lot of people did streaming. You've done stream. You do a lot of, like, stonk mm-hmm. streaming. I've seen yep. that. I cleaned my basement. He cleaned his basement. Really? <laughs> like, ten years. <laughs> but it's an interesting, but, so now, for the dungarees, like, when you played Screamfest, you always do the cover songs. Do you do a mix in concert, or do you do mostly your originals, or? Um, well, what it is, is, like, we have, we do a bunch of covers, and then we pepper in our originals, you know. So, even, even at Screamfest... You know, I'll say, hey, this is one of our original songs, you know, whichever one it is, and we just pepper those in. So, because uh, people want to hear songs they know. If you just do a whole night of just your own original stuff, you know, even it could be really good music, but, so, you know, some people are like, you know, hey, can you, you know, 
uh, Freebird. You know, you, you can always <laughs> get people. Well, you right know here. what? One one band I did. This is another band I think I did with Donnie Mancuso back in the. You know, this, we're talking late seventies and all that. But yeah. but we did a thing, and they had a bunch of songs. And what we did was we we put the original set in the middle, and we bookended it with cover sets. That's a good way. And, to do and it. And so it seemed like a fun way to do it because then you know hopefully you got your people settled in, you got them in a groove, and then you know you, you then you play all your stuff, and then you take a break, and then you come back and play some more fun shit. You ever do the Pete Townsend theory? You used to say with the Who, we start them off with the hits, then we do the difficult stuff in the middle, and then f- to reward them for being good, we do the hits. That yeah, well, there's a you know there's a big psychology to a set list. You know, I mean, you got to kind of. It is. It's like booking a pro wrestling card. You got to try to do this, not try to do the same. But what brought you to Scream Fest? Because that's how we met. Well, you know, a friend of mine I was working with. uh, He had ended up actually leaving the uh, the company that I was working for. But uh, we became uh, vast friends. We we both like horror a lot. You know, so um, I told him I was in a band, and you know, we both had the same interests, and. he said, hey, how would you like to play uh, Scream Fest? So, you know, that's really how that's that came cool. about. Yeah. yeah. So we played for a couple of years, you know, and obviously last year... Um, it was the car ride thing. Well, it was... But, you know, I mean, somebody told me, I don't know if this is true, but there's some kind of virus or something going around. Did you hear about <laughs> that thing, you guys? I don't know. Uh, inklings. I yeah. heard some rumors. <laughs> I heard yeah, some rumors about this thing. So, I, yeah, I guess they didn't have it this year. I stayed. I stayed in touch with Tom... And we went back and forth. What they did, it was just, it couldn't have been, I wasn't there. They couldn't have music. What it was, it's in Hamlin. It's at the town of Hamlin. It's oh. out, they got a big field. Okay. What they did was, it was just a drive-through. They Basically, they had yeah. people come out, you know, the ghosts or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and they, then they, then they like, tried to give the kids distance bags of goodies at the end. Because, obviously, you couldn't have anything like we usually have. Right. But, you know, the year before that was a blast because they had people dressed up like zombies and you could shoot the zombies yeah. with paint guns. How cool is that? That's awesome. You know the what pumpkin I mean? chuck. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I was hoping I'd recognize you because all I do is see you as a ghoul guy with the hat and if everything. If you're wearing masks and you're in disguise for something like this, what's the difference if the virus thing was... I mean, you're covered up. Well, <laughs> it, doesn't it really is, but hopefully sense. it'll return. I'm just going day by day and everything on yeah, this kind of well, stuff, though. Yeah. I just want to be able to go into a bar and, you know, hang out. You know, I mean, I, it's so weird still. I mean, you walk in, you got to get, you, you know, I don't know. Remember it, the day. You got to do this. You got to sit here. You got to order the food. Hurry up. Do this. And it's like, you can't I just, I came here to relax, not to like follow a regimen. That's how, I, like I've gone, <laughs> you know? like when you go out before it was, okay, you're playing, I'm going to go see you. Come yeah. out. Pick wherever, stand, sit, do whatever. Now you got to make sure you get there early so you get a seat. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's nuts. I just miss playing. Yeah, too. see, that's the thing. That's my thing. Well, that's why I was talking Irish back. whiskey instead of, like, Irish songs during St. Patrick's I mean, Day. I, right. I, I have a couple in May and June, and, and, you know, I think August maybe. But, like, one here, one there, so. Yeah, and you figure, I don't know if there's going to be a rush of bands to play or people are going to be. Sure there is. And everything. But now, how much is there, an, obviously, with the leprechaun stuff, how much is there an Irish music influence in the dungarees and on? Or well, quite a bit. That's um, what I would figure. Uh, me and uh, my, my guitar player, one of my guitar players in the band, his name is Sean Casey, and we'll go out and just play a, a duet, basically, of, uh, of Irish stuff. Well, we'll just play Irish stuff pretty much the whole night. And we'll play at Barry's Irish Pub, we'll play at Johnny's, we'll play at any Irish pub that'll pretty much have us. We uh, played down at... Uh, 
down in Avon, uh, you know, all, all over. Um, so, so that's one yeah. thing I got going on. And then with the other guitar player, that's cool. Her name, yeah, her name is Christine. She's a phenomenal guitar player, and uh, we call ourselves um, Deuces Are Wild, and we'll go out and play more of acoustic rock type of music. Mm-hmm. So we got that going on, that going on, and then the dungarees as well. And we will definitely. Like I like to say, pepper in some of the Irish stuff into our into our set. You know, we're not afraid to pick our best Irish stuff and rock it out. So yeah. you know, that's fun. Uh, but really, um, what I'm what I'm really proud of uh, recently is a band that's called uh, um, a band that's called um, Soul Rash, and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Music. You can find us on YouTube. You can just pull up YouTube. And um, you can listen to, we have three songs out so far. We have a, several more in the works. We're working on a song right now called The Other Side of Midnight <coughs> that I'm also going to hopefully put on a new Netflix series uh, called The Dead Awake. Not the dad um, awake. <laughs> that might be scarier. Imagine all those dead. Get off my lawn. <laughs> exactly. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's in a pre-production right now. And uh, one of our songs is... Uh, is uh, they have a prom- promotional video out, and um, one of our songs is featured on that, and that one's called Welcome Home. So basically, the three songs we have out are Loco. Um, it's about, you know, a train and a person going crazy type of thing. and uh, Not about cheap booze. That's the first thing I thought. <laughs> no, no, no. And then the second one is, is, uh, is a song called Cold Green Line, which... Uh, which uh, me and the guitar player wrote about um, the subway down in Boston. They have the green line, the red line, the yellow line. Well, the green line is where all the bums hang out. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is, it's, uh, it, it's kind of fun, kind of tongue-in-cheek, kind of funny about this bum who comes up to me, you know, saying, any donations just need a little to get by. Oh, thanks for the quarter. I hope it don't drain you dry. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, then the, and then, of course, the chorus goes, uh, I'm stealing bread when I should be sipping wine. I guess I'll be sleeping. Down that cold green line. <laughs> so, so uh, I've had the weirdest because I used to work at bars downtown. I would do the door, I would clean them and everything. But I would get hit up by people for money, and they would ask for the weirdest amounts. I would get guys asking me, "Do you have a dollar ninety eight? Right. And I'm yeah. figuring, yeah. okay. Okay, you got to write down to the penny. So what there, I started right. doing is I started bringing Jolly Ranchers and handing them out to them, and they all seemed happy with that. <laughs> but it was the weirdest thing. It was never, okay, give me a dollar, two dollars. There's always some set change or something. See, for me, I'm afraid that they're going to go out and you know buy a bottle of booze with it. You know, I, I you know I, I'd like to, I'd rather just like carry a sandwich in my pocket and say, "Here you go." You know, See, that I, was the problem. You know, I had a roommate, an old roommate, who was a psych major at U of R, and he always offered to take people out to lunch or do something like that, and they would always refuse. And so it's like the psychology is just like they just want them whatever. I think they want the money, and they're going to do what they want to do with it. Well, we had you the know, one guy going he, they around. Don't really want to get better. Yeah, we had the one guy going around. He would just say, "I want him to get a 40. Right. Well, you know, but he sort of played the fool. There's like, points like, for honesty, I guess. Yeah. You, know, <laughs> so, yeah. you know, like that and everything. But how, how did you come about getting something on a Netflix show or that's going to be coming up? Well, um, uh, basically, I'm recording with some guys who are out in Colorado. My yeah, I was going to bring this up. This is, wait for this. Yeah, yeah it's really cool because um, what it is, is, uh, well, my old lead guitar player, we used to play for a band called Grand Jury. 
for years. And uh, then they got convicted. Exactly. That's oh. right, man. We used to say the gavel is coming down on the Penny Arcade. Yeah. You know, oh, where yeah. did you come up? You got mm-hmm. like these great slogans for all your bands. Yeah, we're we're a used good to have, guy. <laughs> we used to have our own shot called a gavel. You know, and uh, uh, we used to be theatrical. I okay, had, like, wait, wait. What was the gavel? What was the shots? It was. Let me see if I can remember. It, it, it was uh, Peachtree Shops, Schnapps, and Southern Comfort mixed. Wow. And they'd chill them. And uh, like, uh, when we played at like, the Island Cottage or something like that, they already had gavels mixed up and ready to go. And I, you know, it'd be like shot break almost between every single song. So, I mean, I, I remember just taking shots and throwing them over my shoulder because if I drank another shot, I'd be like falling on my face. It's like that. Kick it the singer, it's like the, <laughs> the singer <laughs> fell off the, the stage tonight. One, you know, it's like I can't do this. That's anymore. like the old my friend Rob when he had a stag party. He just told me before, and he goes, Robbie, just don't give me a shot. Because you know what happens? Everybody everybody shots. wants to give you a shot. Nah, I yeah. can't do so shots. So I ended up <laughs> taking him home and us getting chased by his mom with a broom because we barely got him in the house. People make fun of me because I sip shots, and they're like brandy or something. We're not, like, well, we're not in college. I can't slam shit. I yeah. can't do it. But we made our own drink up. We had a play with my friends MJ and others uh, 10 years ago called Lipstick Massacre with Pandora Box. And we had the parties at Tilt, and our friend Meredith was in it. We just went up to the bartender and we said, make a shot called the Meredith. Make sure it's red. It's your favorite color. <laughs> so we have the shot, the Meredith, and I have no idea what's in there. <laughs> it was good, though. But that's a good way to, like, a good tie-in. Like, oh, that's the gavel shot. But it's yep. important. Yeah, it's important to have those little taglines. The things, angry leprechaun you know, pro- for the dungarees. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's cool. I yeah, mean, I mean. Got to have a theme. It, it was yeah. a lot of fun because, you know, like I said, when we'd play there, we'd sell, you know, a crap load of of gavels for the bar so they'd love it so we'd we'd say you know you know go up to the bar and get yourself a gavel you know shot break and uh <laughs> you know so the the you know bar owners loved us you know? Pete, I would have puked rumple mint would be worse but that's it was uh that's sweet, sweet. Uh, tasty mm-hmm. yet potent so right. It was a double shot, you know. It's a swift, right. swift kick in the old dairy areas. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were talking Irish whiskey around yeah, well, my book. <laughs> But how did you come with this band from Colorado? Did they just? Yeah. So basically, Grand Jury. Um, we ended up, uh, you know, playing for years and years. And, and so, so my lead guitar player. Um, I moved out of state for a while, and then I came back, and we started an Irish band um, called the Dungarees. And then he ended up moving to Colorado uh, for work. He had to do it. Um, his best friend, um, Jim Roberts, owns a studio where Kansas, um, you know, Steve Walsh just did a new album there. Um, major acts, Collective Soul just recorded some stuff there. Um, as a matter of fact, we have the uh, drummer from Collective Soul playing on all these cuts that, are, that you'll hear um, on the internet, uh, anywhere you can find, or Apple Music, wherever you can find music, you know, and uh, so it's really cool having the, the drums are phenomenal on these cu- on these tracks. And uh, anyways, so he moved out there, and he knows this guy Jim. Jim knows all the guys from Collective Soul and all these different bands. And Chris's brother lives in Manhattan, so lead guitar player that I played with for years. Play, you know, his brother lives in Manhattan, and he's the one who's a producer of a show. He's an <coughs> actor. Uh, the guy's a genius. And um, as a matter of fact, he actually invited Chris and I to actually be on the show as zombies. Interesting side note. I said, really? 
He goes, well, you know, you'd have to get to uh, you'd have to get to Manhattan. I said, well, that's not a problem. I don't don't worry about that. But I have an idea for my zombie. He goes, really? What's that? I said, tell me if you like this, okay? So here's the scenario. I first turn into a zombie, and I'm really hungry because zombies get hungry, especially when they're first <laughs> born, right? So anyway, <laughs> anyways, so I try to chase a person down, right? And I'm chasing them, but I'm just not <laughs> fast enough because I'm a zombie, right? So, <laughs> so then I look around, and I just start ripping my face off and eating it. No, that's different. And he said, I don't think that's ever been done. I go, I don't either. He goes, we're going to do that. So, uh, so, <laughs> so, so do you have like yeah. a go-to zombie awesome. movie? Like it, like one you, obviously probably a Romero fan. Cause well, all big there, George Romero. He's the one, you know, if it wasn't for him, there wouldn't be, you know. Modern the zombie Walking stuff, Dead yeah. and all that stuff. Um, you know, so, of course, the original. Dawn of the I, Dead, though, is probably even probably the oh, best. Phenomenal. It's, it's one of the best. Um, is that the one the Day shopping of the shopping mall? Yeah. Yeah. Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, um, Return of the Living Dead, Return of the De- Living Dead Part Two. But you know, of course, the original—that's what started it all out. So that, I, if I had to put, uh, if I had to say, I'd have to go with the, the very first one. Yeah, you know? even though it scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. Me too. But Ox, the best one I've seen lately, I just couldn't help rewatching it. Is the Dead Don't Die, Jim Bear and Jim Moosers. Oh, that's a great. And story. I love it. And the thing is, it's so self-aware though. But the thing is, when you're a zombie, I love the idea that you're obsessed with whatever you were in life. So they've got like some models of fashion, fashion. <laughs> Iggy pops his coffee obsessed zombie. And I just love, and then they're a little like self-aware of the whole movie because probably the genre. What else can you do? Right. Have a zombie eating himself? Yeah. Really? No, that's you. Oh, I was going to say. I was going to say somebody else has done that yet. All right. So copyright right exactly, here. Exactly. Copyright right here. I and love like that's like a little thing nobody ever thinks of, and they don't try to eat each other. And they must taste bad. Right. You just know? start chomping on my arm like a freaking uh, you know uh, chicken leg. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, you, I, thought, I just thought it would be funny. So you're just a stump exactly. yourself around? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that would think. be really fun. But then you have now this video coming out. Or you said you've had it, which, again, during the time of the COVID, there's lots of these videos showing musicians all over the place in different areas. Mm-hmm. Primetime mm-hmm. Funk did one. Grace done one from the RPO. You've done this, though. Yep. Yeah, well, this one's a really highly for, produced because it's for you know it's for a, a TV show. So doesn't um, mean anything. I produced something in my basement, like you know, for Toronto porn channels, like when I was in the eight nineteen eighties. Well, I mean, this is really I'm really well done. So you, you know, I, I encourage anybody who wants to to look up "Welcome Home" and you know find the video. It's out there. Um, you know, maybe we could have Andy try to pull up uh, the song so we could we could listen to it. We'll I'm, see. I'm, Wait for a treat at the end. Uh, we'll all right. You know, critique the song. And, I mean, really what the song is about is about a haunted house. And it's, about a, it's a song about uh, when I was a child, I used to have this reoccurring nightmare. And um, so, basically, I approached the house. It could give, to make a quick, you know, quick, uh, long story short here. Um I walk around the back of the house, and the wind's blowing, and it, and in the swing, there's a there's a there's a doll swinging slowly, and, and so so. Uh, anyways, he turns his head and looks at me, and says, "Welcome home. Where have right. you been for so long? Yeah. You know." So it's really creepy. All I can think of is like you're out you're out my side of the city, but that old doll hospital by Chile. Oh yeah, that's creepy. Yeah, yeah, that's. I know right where you're talking on Buffalo Road. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
But that's good. Did you did you sort of grow up in the countryish like that or everything? Yeah, it's the uh, it's actually uh, about a house that I used to live in. It was an old country house, and uh, I, you know uh, it says a. Uh, uh, let's see, uh, something about the uh, it was is is the shutters are torn, the house begins to moan, you know, and it's uh, my whole dream is in black and white, and uh, and he did a good job of uh, kind of capturing this on video, you know. Another scare. Why are dolls so scary? You have any ideas, Greg? Or you? Uh, well, this is the this is the picture of <laughs> of the cover of the uh, oh lovely. <laughs> Probably because they just, they're supposed to be your friend, but I think you, anybody, you put, you put sort of, you attach a personality to it, and I think, I don't know. And there's always And then they don't talk, and then you're like, I don't know, they're just creepy. I don't know. There's always those stories, too, about, like, I went to Rolling Hills Asylum with my friend Liz and some of our friends some years ago, and there was a story about the Linden murders. There's, like, some serial killer, I guess Linden's close to where Rolling Hills is. It's by Bethlehem, New York. Probably because they represent innocence and and the fact that... And what happened was, I guess they thought some inmate was getting out of Rolling Hills and murdering people, then coming back. The chow must have been good. Right. But one of my things for in terms of scary stories like that, we have relatives who were in Avon, and they would take me. They go. My parents would go out to dinner with them. They would take me and my other cousin, and my grandmother would babysit us there. And there was one October night. It was like the wind going. We swore there was somebody trying to get in the house outside. It was terrifying. And then my parents, their parents got home. But okay, to make the story would be great if we saw footprints or something we didn't it was the wind but it's like how it all plays and i can imagine if i saw a doll on a swing right good night yeah. <laughs> well you got the annabelle movies conjuring and all those that but then, the, like then that. the doll slowly turns and he looks at me and he says welcome home you know so it's that that's right. what that's the creepy part you know how do you how do you write your songs in terms of that do you go with like you get just an idea grains in your head and then you just well, the way that song was written is Chris had this really um, melodic guitar stuff going, and it just sounded eerie. And and I said, well, geez, you know, I mean, he said, what do you want to write a song about? You know, this is what I got. I said, boy, that sounds like eerie and creepy. I said, uh, you know, I used to have this reoccurring nightmare. Why don't we write something about that? He goes, yeah, tell me what happened in the nightmare. So we both sat down and wrote these lyrics. And, uh, I mean, in my dream, uh, the, the, there is no doubt. But we, we put a doll in that swing. You know what I'm saying? Right. Let's we, just make we, it worse. You know, right. <laughs> right. Let's make it even more creepy. Well, that's a and good visual, though. It is. I mean, look at all the stories that have been done about ventriloquists and ventriloquist dummies. And yeah. all it's like, yeah, usually, Chucky, like, when you're, you like yeah. when you're involved, you just come in to do the music after the song's written, Greg? Like, after the lyrics are in or anything? Or you take part, like, in some of the bands you do? Well, it depends. I mean, like the couple of songs we're doing with Anonymous Willpower, I wrote, so I wrote some of the lyrics. And then, Trailer romance, it did Yeah. Well, Susie <laughs> threw a couple lines in there, and then we're working on two new ones that I did. Well, actually, they're old ones. One's called Blame It on Rock and Roll, which is just a big kind of like a tongue in cheek thing about growing up and it you know like well this is the reason i'm fucked up because of mm-hmm. this rock and roll <laughs> it's rock and roll <laughs> it's the reason i've just yeah. become really right. fascinated <laughs> it's right you know right universal 
topic. So yeah, I've been very right. fascinated with the creative process because I've been working on some demos with a friend and just seeing how she usually gets types out her lyrics and then they flesh out the music and they right. Do well, all sometimes this. you get one before the other. I mean, sometimes it's just well, I got this thing and I don't know what kind of words can go with it, and then other times you do the opposite. But are you one of those lyrics. guys who's got your phone handy because you might be driving along like my friend Greg Townsend? He's driving along one day, he sees a sign ATM inside. He writes a song about it. <laughs> Well, I heard, uh, was, I don't know, I was watching TV or something, and and somebody said, you know, well, yeah, we, we can do that on the other side of midnight. I go, the other side of midnight? Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah, so I a put a note in my <laughs> phone, I go, the other side of midnight, <laughs> and then I wrote a song around that. Um, I just did. I just wrote a song last week called Spellbound because I'm going. That's a really cool word. That's a song right there, Spellbound. Right. And I wrote a song just around one word. That's yep. like the difference Compound between. Word, but it's one word. Yeah. That's, between, that's the difference between creative people and me. <laughs> well, you, you know, you tend to see. Like, you see humor in certain things or, or lines. Like, uh, I wish I could think of something right now off the bat, but. You know, just like a turn of phrase, like all that old vaudeville stuff, like where they would, who's on first type of shit, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, you know, you can just, the English language is interesting that way because you can you can say things that wouldn't make any sense in another language. And I have an idea sure. for Scream Fest. <laughs> It'll happen again. We need, like Iron Maiden with Eddie, we need to have the little leprechaun guy there. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's funny that you say that. We were going to hire a little person to go around and pass a hat. At one point in time. It was one of our ideas. It never came to fruition. But, yeah. you know, with that, we thought, just thought, you know, especially because we were doing all this Irish stuff, leprechaun stew. Um, uh, you cook the, them at the end. You cook them at the end. You throw them in a pot and, you know, start, you know, throwing some potatoes in it. Um, uh, I also wrote a song called... Um, uh, oh, now I can't remember. It's not coming to me. That's but, a good but anyways, name. anyways, at the end of Leprechaun Stowe, it was so I so, so I go, so I stuffed a little bastard in a great big pot along with a tater or two. Leprechaun Stowe. You know, it's just a it's a silly it's a silly funny song that's a lot of fun. There's like well, something I ask a lot of uh, artists who come on. What was really like about the first song you've ever like written, and who were your influences when you were growing up in terms of music? Why don't you take it? Influences? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, well, Stuff I mean, obviously to Top 40. I mean, when I was growing up, it was Top 40. So I got in a band when I was like 16. Mm-hmm. So we were playing, you know, Na Na Na, Kiss Him Goodbye, and, you know, In a God Vida, and all this mm-hmm. other crap. That was that the thing. When we were growing up, but it, was then I so got much harder, it was so much harder to access different music. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the thing. My brother was in a band around here, so I got to know like a lot of like the different things, like the Ramones and all that stuff. But most of it was like you're t- those shows late at night, like what was like Wolfman Jack or right. Midnight Special or all those. Well, I mean, I, I you know, we got an age difference too. So I mean, I when I was a teenager, I mean, it was like the early late sixties and well, early seventies. So too, I got you? yeah, a little bit of Prague and you know, Monkeys and. All the stuff before that, and Dave Clark Five. I was really into like the British Invasion. Ooh, stuff. they claimed at the point they thought the Dave Clark Five was going to overtake the Beatles and be better known and everything. Yeah. But. They were good, but they weren't that good. Well, it's amazing. Like reading about the Beatles, like there was one point where like the press went against them. They said like, "Well, they're done." Dave Clark Five, Herman's Hermits, everything. The thing about the Beatles that I always I don't I don't know if it's like an argument or that, but I they seem to be the template 
to me for everything about the music business. They were kind of manipulated. They were kind of marketed, over marketed. They were kind, of, but their music was so strong. But they were, you know what I mean? They, they were like, here's the here's a rock and roll band. Okay, you dream about it. You get a you get a break. Then they market the crap out of you. <laughs> And then, you know, I mean, when you look at all the pictures, they must have had guys taking pictures of them freaking 24 oh, you hours imagine a day. the pressure cooker? And then you go from, like, these little pop darlings, you change, yeah. you don't just... Right, so they're kind of the poster children, so to speak. Right. You know I mean? Especially in the earlier years. I think in the later years, when they had more control of right. what they were doing, they were just able to just, you know... Take some, take a lot of drugs, and be real super creative. Right. I mean, you know, that was that a mean? good sense the way you said that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's true. That's what happened. Well, that was like one of mine. I got the kick out of because of my name, Doctor Robert, because there was like their yeah. pill dealer. I'm like, God, well, if you if, and two, if you look at them, they were good. They were almost like uh, they would take whatever they heard and hey. Country. Let's do a country thing. Mm-hmm. So they actually were like a cover band. No, Paul wants <laughs> They would take buddy. all their influences and just yeah. do it their way. Beach Boys, yeah. back in the USSR. Right. Yeah. Paul wanted to be Buddy Holly. Right. You know, I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. Now, there's still more to Billy, though. What else do you do in terms of business? Oh, yeah. I actually, uh, I own a, a store right over in Henrietta at 120 Mushroom Boulevard. And I sell... Mushrooms. In, mushrooms, exactly. <laughs> I, I tell you, it's just me and the leprechauns over there. But uh, <laughs> That's why you're seeing these leprechauns now. <laughs> exactly. I got it. Now you got it. Yeah, yeah, I tell you. And then I can... I just beat the bejesus out of them with a vacuum. <laughs> but uh, no, spending was... I sell and repair vacuums, but... That's really just about a quarter of the business. I will I, interrupt for a second. Sure, I did absolutely. want to get into the vacuum business, but I found mm-hmm. I sucked at it. Well, that's, a, that's a great one. I've never heard that one before. Thanks. No, I knew this. I am so original. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I also sell, especially during this pandemic, a lot of disinfectants, janitorial supplies. So I supply, right. I have everything from toilet paper, you know, 96-roll toilet paper. How do you have it all? How did that go? <laughs> I have to ask, how did they go when this started? Did you get swamped for it? I got swamped. I, I sold probably three or four pallets of toilet paper, and then I couldn't get any more toilet paper. Wow. You know. But I'm you used a leprechaun. Yeah, I, I, I wiped with a leprechaun. Well, you hated that. But um, and then I, you know, I've got multi-fold towels, but mainly like any type of cleaning supplies, spot removers. But I repair all, make some mocks. People want to get rid of their dogs that bad. Yeah, right. <laughs> yep. So, uh, but that, I mean, that's kind of, that's my business. And I've been doing uh-huh. that for years and years. And, but of course, my passion is music. You know, that's really what, uh, I mean, I, I sell and repair vacuums and cleaning supplies so I can make music. Uh, at least you, you don't know? live in a vacuum. Yes. I don't. Good, good point. <laughs> but you hear all the stories that come out, they're really funny about people who super panicked about toilet paper. They bought stacks and stacks and they tried to return it to stores yeah, afterwards. Yeah. And I, I still don't like understand how happened. that was the big panic of all the panics you could have. Yeah, no <laughs> it's kidding. Like, it's like weird. my friend Sean, he's really good in investing in about money and stuff. And he was one time about there's like some panic. He goes, Got any gold? Sell it. Because <laughs> what are you going to do? Give them, like, go to, the, go to Wegmans and go here's a stack of gold <laughs> well you know, depends on who you talk to <laughs> yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll buy his gold cheap <laughs> yeah but that's how but yeah it's the thing it's like it's always good you do something you like to feel your passion Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm sure you do the same thing. I mean, you can't make a living being a musician most of the time. Unless you're Mick uh, Jagger. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, unless you, you know, hit it big. And it's hard to, you know, you got to know somebody. Right. You know, you, you can't just 
So I, okay, I'm going to be rich today. I toured for a while. What's your I mean, name with is the Richard. Cover bands and stuff. I mean, I just wanted that experience of touring. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did it for like seven years. Oh wow, impressive. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I got to go to Europe and stuff. And, yeah. yeah did you come home with a big pocket full of money? No, How came home with so? a couple thousand bucks. Right. <laughs> he drank but, the rest away. But we had a lot, well, we had a lot of money sent home, yeah. so I had money yeah. waiting for him. You all, cool. you played this gig. We we paid you four hundred dollars. You drank a thousand dollars worth of beer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, but I, the thing is, I like. The music leads itself to other things. You get friendships out of it. You meet, like, okay, let's say you. I mean, you know, if I ever need something for vacuums and cleaning, I can, oh, I know a guy, so I can come to you. And, you know, I feel good about working with people that I actually know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Through but, music, I've met a lot of people. That's my YouTube. life, too, just from going to shows and stuff. I'm like a local icon on the scene. I know everybody and I bring... But like my friend Rob Mount's a great example. He started playing when we were in high school. He's been like in bands 50-50, which you cover bands, right. Stranger. He was drumming for Lou Graham. They got him. They just Lou wanted his brother back for his farewell tour, but he was a drummer. He's played at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He's played with all these. And it's That's amazing, awesome. six degrees of separation, he knows all these people. Right. Mm-hmm. And he started like that. And I think a lot of people I know, like a couple friends of mine, they do cover bands so they can do original music. Right. Yep, that's right. I mean, I enjoy getting out there, and it keeps you keeps you limbered up. I mean, you gotta you gotta play. I mean, you, you can't just you lose your chest sitting in the basement. You know, Keith Moon would forget yeah. how to drum because Townsend would take so long sometimes to right. write songs that we just forget how to do it. So we tried all at once when he started playing. But I was going to ask you guys, like, we're all of that age. We grew up with the good old albums, eight tracks even, cassettes. Yeah. What do you think of all these new formats and ways to get your music out? Like, obviously, you've been talking about Spotify. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it's hard to get paid on a lot of that kind of See, stuff. See, that's what that's, I just that's not one of really... That's problems. You know, that's I hear it's yeah, pretty bad. I mean, I, 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 was, I went to a Carmine, a piece... Clinic, is it a piece or apathy? I don't know. <laughs> I've always said a piece. He but, said in his book he changed it over the years. You've said your piece. No, I, <laughs> I, you know, and he said, oh, you can you can get a million hits and you can make like four thousand bucks. You know, and it's like because to him, that's I mean, that's really no money. I mean, it's like it's I think it's really hard. It's like what a quarter he never of wrote a the cent. Songs. You know that the writers get the. Well, I think he wrote he. His big claim to fame was he co-wrote "Do You Think I'm Sexy?" Yeah, but that was like it, I think. Uh, yeah. yeah. Then Rod Stewart fires. <laughs> well, I think Sharon. He's fired doing casters, right? <laughs> yeah, Sharon fired him from Ozzy. Yeah. Rod St- and Rod said, "I love you," but he even did the intro for his book. Yes, I love him, but I fired him. Yeah, but he's doing Cactus again now. Yeah, I got one of the albums, Cactus. What was it called? Cactus Five or something? It was really, it's really good. I, I like the. He's music been. Oh, he's never stopped. But it's just because I'm, I'm never going to ask, but I have a couple, f- this is in terms of friends, I have a couple friends, they have like top 10 hits right now in blues, Spotify, and country, and I was, because I know like for, in terms of like YouTube and everything, I've seen people, they get millions of viewers, but they don't make any money or anything. Yeah, I think the model's not put together very well, because whoever's, ho- the platform makes all the money. Mm-hmm. I think the only good thing that's come out of it is that touring is viable because that's how you make your money. So when the touring thing starts up again, I and mean, remember back in the day, these tours could be crazy. Touring never used to make any money. Crazy and extravagant because the, the albums, because the albums would sell so well, you could go out. It's like the it's like the old nineteen seventies where tours were like orgies and everything crazy because you could go out. You know, tickets were like three bucks, right. but it was the albums that sold. So the tours were just like to promote right. them. So you could go. Now the albums don't sell anything. <laughs> 
You know, well, so vinyl's creeping back. I mean, I I think it's gonna it's gonna swing back to something else because I think, I mean, the, the trouble with to me the trouble with all this downloading and all the other stuff is it's okay, great, you listen to it, you listen to it, but it's just not. There's no interaction. It's just okay. Here's my playlist, and it's just a bunch of. See, I'm still old know. school I, like that. Like, I'm not mad at one of my friends, but right now I'm she's got really an album I really want out, but she hasn't put it on CD or album yet. I don't want to download it. <laughs> and then the way you got to mix it, I mean, you got to compress the crap out of everything. And how's it go for work? Because that's the thing. I remember the old thing with Metallica with Napster. Yeah. And I don't know how the whole rights thing goes or anything, because even when we have permission from musicians, we get flagged on here for playing stuff sometimes. Really? Yeah. Damn. You know what I'm it surprised. is? It's because, well, like Josh Nesky told me, I played Maybird, and he said he's been flagged for playing his own music. That doesn't get us in trouble. It's just what we're here to promote you, whoever's our guest. Yeah. And any royalties, yeah, it's going to go to you. Well, it's like if those ASCAP guys. About them. Those ASCAP <laughs> and, guys yeah, go to the bars yeah. and stuff. All out and the what blue, they do is somebody you. must <laughs> pull it, and we just get a thing, and it's just, and we go, yeah, we're not trying to make money. We want our guests to make money. Right. But like I told Josh and I told Michaela, this Michaela said it was crazy. But Josh just said we've been flagged for playing our own songs, Strange. and they've got songs on the Man of High Castle and I Zombie too right now mm. too. So this is going around. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of it, maybe because of my age, but I just think, I, I, I just kind of miss buying something and holding it and looking at it. See, that's what I do, it. too. That's why I'm ticked, because I don't really download it. I mean, it, I, I've been doing this thing. I finally got this, my girlfriend got me this turntable thing, like, years ago, a USB thing. So, I finally got, got it put together and put, not put together, but I finally downloaded it and got the software and everything and I've been recording all these 45s and stuff that I have. Mm -hmm. But one of the problems is is uh you know, when you create a whole piece of music, people come in and just cherry pick a couple of good songs. They right. don't get to hear all your music. Right. You're, you're missing out thing. on yep. a whole a whole crap load yeah, of really and they're not good hearing stuff. the whatever your the connection between all the songs right. possibly if exactly. you're I always look up. at technology as a positive and negative. You think a negative is it's also a positive. You can get your stuff out but millions of people can get their stuff out. So you have to really, there's so much out there. And somebody yeah. might go, like, if you have a really short attention span, and I think due to media these days, everybody does, you might play like a, okay, this artist, a minute of a song, eh, go on. Yeah, it's not mm -hmm. doing it for me. Next. You know? I, yeah. yeah. And, and I guess I'm kind of like, I, I really don't like the fact that, any idiot in their bedroom with can do it. I, I just yeah. like where, where's the where's the talent? Where's the training? Where's the hard knocks? You know. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. You and I have paid paid our dues. Yeah. We're older. We've been playing in bars and stuff all over the place. And I'll make you know I'll make the biggest analogy, and it rings yeah. true. Maybe you're not a fan. You've been forced on the show with the mask drummer <laughs> uh, pro wrestling back in the day. You got a guy who came up. This guy was playing hundred shows in the night making 40 bucks a show driving out learning his craft yeah. musicians would always you'd be playing the bars paying your dues and coming out you'd be seasoned like right. that leprechaun in that pot right now <laughs> they just see oh that person's got the look can they sing who gives a shit <laughs> right I mean it's it's good that you don't have to suffer some of the stuff that you have to go through but at the same time I think it's a false I don't know 
it's it's just too processed for me. Right. And it's good. I don't think Billie Eilish is anything. I don't know right. why she's the. There we go. Pop star I just been. I I hate her because of Adriana. <laughs> I listen to Ocean Eyes, and I watched her on. Now you know what? I'll I'll give her these things about her. They do their own songs. She connects with the audience. She's herself. She's not a diva. She's not right. all prim and proper. She does the I'm one of you. You see the audience. It's not my cup of tea in terms of music, but I can see why she's got to reach on her fan base. I just I just have a, I've always wondered how they pick the. Okay, this is this year's, and obviously she's she's last year's person. Because they need some. I mean, all of a sudden, to... you're just hearing about this one person all over the place that c- comes out of yeah. nowhere, and I just never. It always, but I do have a question. I have an idea for it's next. Like Ed Sheeran, he was huge for a yeah. while. Now, yeah. Yeah. now, what's he doing? Yeah. There's so many people. It's like those actors from some, like like Eric Stoltz. He was in everything, or Matthew Lillard. Then where the heck is he? But I had the idea. Can we be leprechauns at the next Scream Fest? The world's tallest leprechauns? Sure. 100%. <laughs> yeah, Zombie guys. leprechauns. Zombie leprechauns. And I'll make a stew, a stew out of you. You know, they cut you up and throw you in a big... With uh, growth hormones. Yeah. <laughs> well, what do you have, like, in terms of the future? You're just going to keep on keeping on with everything? Well, like Open those gigs, I hope? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we're. I just talked to... Uh, we have one person left in the band who's going to get their second shot. As soon as that happens, we're going to start practicing again. Second shot at being in the band because he sucked before a second vaccine <laughs> well, a little of both but anyway so a second shot of pfizer so um you know then we're going to get back to uh work uh, we're going to get the cd out there and start booking gigs um when it comes to uh that's that's with the dungarees now um uh the uh soul rash project that i got going <clears throat> on with these guys in in denver uh i'm flying out there in june and we plan on recording a whole bunch of stuff and having a whole bunch of fun. But the way this has been working is um, we've been Zoom calling, and I'll play them an idea I might have. And then, you know, they take it, run with it, send me back their tracks, and I sing over it. So we're working across country. Have you been there ever? I've been there one time. My friend, my, my dear friend Marissa moved out there. She's around Boulder, and she keeps telling me it's the most beautiful place she's ever been. She'll send me pictures of mountains. She tells me, you got to come down here with this stuff. Next day, she tells me, well, I'm stuck in my apartment. There's two feet of snow outside my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, right. wow, oh, come to Colorado. It's like... <laughs> it's really cool out there. I mean, I had a great time. I, I'll tell you what, I ate a cookie out there. My phone was never so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> wink, yeah. wink, wink, wink. <laughs> One of my best sites, I came, I saw, this was back in the day wow. when we could have concerts. I saw Jason Isbell at the Beacon Theater, me and my buddy Moondog Dave. Mm-hmm. So we drove back. There was, a, there was supposedly a big snowstorm by Syracuse, so we got rerouted through Ithaca. Mm-hmm. Poor ten of things to come. Number one, I saw an ice sculpture of Richard Nixon. That's not something you see. But number two, I saw a picture of Winnie the Pooh in a weed field. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, you know, I mean, hey, it's it's legal. I mean, you can walk right down the street smoking a doobie if you want to these days. Seriously. Which one of the doobie brothers, though? (laughs) You know, when I was a kid, I never knew that would meant, because I like the doobie brothers, I never knew what that meant. Right. They ain't related, but they do be brothers. That's right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you have, this isn't, that's really cool and stuff. You have so much going on. But how do we get some of your stuff, too? Well, I mean, so the easiest way to listen to our stuff before the, I mean, once we release a CD, you'll be Or if we hear, want it physically or anything. Yeah. You, you get it at your store, don't you? Yeah, I have some, I have a, our first album at my store. The next one's coming out. Um, this one's called, called Midnight Moonshine with the Dungarees. And uh, it's a song that I wrote 
um, about traveling around, uh, you know, traveling around the world, uh, everyone from Chicago to New Orleans and it's a you know and making making moonshine and being chased by <sighs> by the law and I'm a bootlegger right. well, and I'm you know, a lot of fun stuff. I turned green because <laughs> I had relatives in Georgia who would bring it up in the mason jars. Mm-hmm. I dipped my finger at it one time. I remember like I sipped some. I passed it on the lawn. And my woke buddy up and man, <laughs> my buddy was playing with these guys from Hamlin and they were making moonshine and he brought me some. It's freaking shit. It just is. As soon as you swallow it, man, your gut's on. And the floor. other one was <laughs> Toro, feel it all the way yeah, down, Toro Flaming Shots, this Italian yeah, moonshine. Oh, that's, that sounds like a bad idea. How many right albums there? do you have out by now with the? I mean, how long have you actually? I've never even asked you this. How long have they been? You've been around with the dungarees and everything. Well, it, you know, uh, a quick story. Um, I started out with a friend of mine who lives in Buffalo. His name is Mike Sertino. Uh, of all things, playing for an Irish band, Mike Sergio, right. <laughs> nice Irish boy. But anyways, uh, yeah, uh, Irish man, yeah. <laughs> so we uh, we started um, as uh, just just kind of fun us jamming, and then we ended up being coming uh, traveling minstrels at the uh, Renaissance Fair. So we dress oh, up, cool, we yeah. go around and just annoy people all day and get paid for it. <laughs> That's so, what they do there. I know. I've been was, to those things. It got to. Uh, it, it was fun. We did that for a couple of years, and then um, we started writing, and uh, and we do a, we do a bunch of covers on this one first CD, and it, that's that's the CD is called Leprechaun Stew, um, and uh, after that uh, we he ended up leaving, but I I started I stuck around with the I think you had him down here, uh, uh, Steve Wright, the bass player, he plays. Um, for the uh, John Payton project, I've had John on. Oh, yeah. you've had John on. Yeah. Well, anyways, hit he's that a bass wrestling player. drummer expert. We talk yeah, wrestling, he's awesome. drummy. Oh yeah, <laughs> great guy. Yeah, and and they're great. They came out to see us quite a few times, um, and he's he's got a really good band. But needless to say, uh, then uh, we we uh, we kind of became the Spinal Tap of like. Uh, Folk music, uh, traditional Irish folk music, and, a mighty and, wind. and rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. Something you know, bizarre. it could have been a mighty wind. You know, whatever. But I mean, because like we had one guy, one guy, we had a bazooki player who who ended up overdosing on heroin. We we've been through probably Jesus. three or four <laughs> different lead guitar players, several different fiddlers. It's just like the, the turnover is, you know, I mean, now we get we got this this, this girl, uh, Christine playing lead guitar and she she's phenomenal. And we have a uh, we have Joe Destafano, another Irish boy. Um, Mediterranean uh, Irish. Exactly. Is the term. Mediterranean <laughs> Irish. Uh, I play on the drums, great player. And uh, we got uh, Sean Casey, a nice Italian boy, that <laughs> um, uh, on, on a rhythm guitar, and then myself on on uh, guitar and vocals. The so, fights must be monumental. Oh no, it is. They're, it's, <laughs> yeah, we, it, it's funny. We really don't argue very I much. You know, they're all they're all original songs um, uh, that that we've been writing, and we learned some. We just learned some uh, Jackson Brown and stuff. Of course, I say just just a year ago, we learned a bunch of stuff that uh, a bunch of great covers. So we're going to be out there. You know, hitting the scene. Keep but. an eye on them. This sounds like a really good yeah, time. Yeah, it's going to be good. Look it up. Great having you, man. I'm oh, sorry, well, I didn't you bring any much. of those. Stuff I did with the anonymous willpower, right? I'll have to get some. Time. Well, I'll say I might see them like coming up pretty soon too. But and I, we'd love to have like if you could bring Liam back too with you and come back sometime. Oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, I I could bring him with you, right, Liam? 
Well, but of course I couldn't back, come back in the next time. <laughs> Why is the drummer making up a pot over there? <laughs> but no, now, we're going to have like a song and everything. We can surprise the people with what you play and everything else. You get the dry but, ice working. And I will say, in terms of talking about Don and Susie from Anonymous Willpower, they're playing a Johnny's on this Friday. Yeah, they're doing a and Greg trio. won't be there. No, they're doing a trio thing. But we gotta, cool. we're got we doing a thing at Abilene in May. So. Nice. Oh, and by the way, shout out to Danny and... Abilene is opening again after I think they were closed what November or October last year. Yeah. They're opening this Friday on the thirtieth, but Adriana Noon's playing there on the first, so I'll be down there. Okay. So yeah. and then they're doing actually Billy Bremner from Rockpile is supposed to be there in September. I got a ticket already because I figured maybe with the second wave it might only be limited to five people. Right. So but they're opening again, so bless well, that, everybody who's That's opening. something you were saying about, you know, platforms or whatever. But now this whole thing of now you gotta you know, you can't just show up, you gotta get a ticket and you gotta look ahead. Yeah, see that, look I just that, actually I'm not real good at that my stuff. Friend, I just wanna well, I just wanna show up. That's see that's <laughs> me too. It's like, like okay it's like, Photo City. My friend Dangerbird are playing there. Usually you just walk in River Lynch is playing yeah. there. You gotta get a ticket. Or like, what's well, fun? Like, the way like, it goes, like, I like say you're going to a gig or whatever. Like when we had the gig at B side, I made sure I got a table. Like before, I'd say, "Hey, Greg, we're doing this. You want to come out? Come out. Otherwise, but we got to get a table." Yeah, I know, but it's a, it's one more layer for the consumer to to wade through, which bugs me. It's like, oh, hey, stop down. Oh, wait, you can't just stop. Yeah, you agree, know what I mean? So I you got to change your whole approach to how you advertise it and stuff. And hopefully, I was just. Yeah. Hopefully, I'll see you at Screenfest, and I'll come up to see you some gigs, my friend. But let's go play your surprise song. So absolutely, yeah. this is uh, this is going to be a song by Soul Rash. It's called "Welcome Home." And I love that name too. It's like a rash it's on your awesome. soul. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Because I tell you, I've had a rash on my soul recently because I'm not able. What my what's in my soul is music. I'm not able to go out there and play it. So there is a true rash. Oh yeah, in my soul. and it's so this is this is soul <laughs> rash. It's just like hell, and it's soul <laughs> rash, whatever, <laughs> and soul rash song name. Yep. Well, the, the name of the band is Soul Rash, and the, and the name of the song is Welcome Home. And this one's gonna, the one that's going to be featured on a Netflix series called The Dead Awake. Not The Dead Awake, as I said. <laughs> not The you Dead, scared. but The and Dead. And I am taking right now a disclaimer. I'm not a, taking any responsibilities for Nightwares about scary dolls. <laughs> Rob, Craig, thanks a lot, Billy, and we'll see you later. Well, thank let's, you for having me. Let's hear this thing. Okay. 